0: With all that's happening today in Israel and the Middle East, you should be reading Israel My Glory magazine. Now, if you're not already a subscriber, you can get a one-year free subscription, that's six free issues, of timely, insightful articles on trends that affect Israel and the Christian world. You can do all this by going to
1: foiradio.org. Welcome to the Friends of Israel Today. I'm Steve Conover, and with me is our host and teacher, Chris Katulka. In a recent Gallup poll, three out of four Americans see corruption throughout government. And this is a serious issue. But the fact of the matter is, the abuse of power is not just in government. It's everywhere. And power's
0: ability to corrupt, this isn't a new phenomenon. It's actually an age-old tale because of the sinful nature of mankind. And, you know, Jesus dealt with the issue of power and corruption during his day. Now, there aren't many moments in Jesus's ministry where his anger is palpable, but today we're going to open to Matthew 21, where you're going to see it. You're going to see Jesus literally flipping the tables in the temple to send the sign that the Messiah is here, and the leadership of Israel's abuse of power must end. But first, the news. The Sinai Peninsula in Egypt that borders Israel has become a training ground for radical Islamic groups. And for years, Egyptian forces have attempted to quell the rise of Islamic terrorism in Sinai uh, to no avail. Until a secret alliance was formed between Israel and Egypt. And for the past two years, Israel has been conducting airstrikes in the Sinai with Egypt's approval. Israeli military aid has significantly helped push back Islamic terrorists. And this cooperation between Egypt and Israel, these two countries that once were at war, helps not only Egypt, but it also helps strengthen the border between Sinai and Israel by preventing the movement of weapons into Gaza and terrorists from harming Israeli citizens. If you know anything about me, I love politics and I love keeping up with the news. And I believe keeping up with politics is so important because the decisions our leaders make from Washington DC and from our state and local governments can profoundly affect us. And I don't wanna wake up one day and see something change in my town, in my state, in our country, and I didn't get a chance to put my two cents in. And the one thing that bugs me the most in politics is the abuse of power. And it's the abuse of power on both sides of the aisle. Political corruption that benefits a small group of people at the expense of others. And it happens, sadly, more often than it should. Uh, Corruption among leaders is not a new thing, and it's something that's been around since the beginning. And that's why I want to turn your attention to a moment in Jesus's ministry that really stands out from the rest of his ministry in the Gospels. Jesus just entered Jerusalem after the triumphal entry and Jesus enters right into the temple and sees the corruption in the temple and begins to flip the tables. Again, this is an event that stands apart from the rest of Jesus's ministry. And listen to a, a Matthew's account of Jesus turning a table says in Matthew chapter 21 uh, verses 12 through 13. J- just listen to the words here. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. Now, let me provide some background here. Uh, The temple was the central location of worship to God for the Jewish people. It's where Jewish people came to say thank you to God, to fellowship with God, to offer peace offerings to God, to offer sacrificial offerings for sin to God. You know, Jewish people, they couldn't go just anywhere. They had to go to the temple. They were they were required to worship God at the temple in Jerusalem. And with that said, Jesus enters the temple in Jerusalem, and as he enters, he steps foot into the court of the gentiles and this was a massive area in the temple complex oh, just about 25 acres uh, where gentiles were permitted to come and worship god and, and the court of the gentiles was also where the supplies of animals for sacrifice were kept and brought and it was also the place where the money changers were exchanging money for jewish people coming from different countries now now let me clarify something the idea of buying sacrificial animals was not wrong. And and let me explain this. Sacrificial animals were required to be unblemished animals and and they were supposed to be the best of the best. If if you're traveling uh, from Bethlehem to Jerusalem, say that's about a five mile walk and that's five miles that something could make that unblemished bull, goat, or sheep, Uh, blemished. Uh, They could break a leg. They could fall and get a cut. Now imagine that you're coming from the Sea of Galilee where Jesus lived. That's a little more than a hundred miles each way. And imagine trying to keep your animal unblemished for a hundred miles. So purchasing a sacrifice to meet God's standard is not bad. It's when it gets abused. Also, the money changers, ancient money changers, definitely knew how to turn an honest profit. But it's recorded that those money changers in the temple made very little, but it was still enough profit off of those trying to worship God money changers were needed because it was mandatory for Jewish people to pay an annual temple tax according to Exodus chapter 30 verse 13 and worshipers from outside of Jerusalem may not have the type of currency that was accepted in the temple now now, since the tax was mandatory according to biblical law then it could also be abused and that's where the Sadducees enter the picture The Sadducees were the ruling religious and political party during the days of Jesus. And they didn't just rule. They ruled in first class. They enjoyed all the benefits of being both rulers of the Jewish community while hobnobbing with the Roman elite. And what kept their bank accounts full was the abuse of the worshiper and the abuse of the temple. And I believe Jesus is teaching two lessons when he flips those tables over. His first is this, don't abuse your position of power. You you know, the Sadducees manipulated the worship of God for their financial gain. And even Josephus, the Jewish historian, said uh, Annas, the high priest, was a hoarder of money and they found ways to abuse worshipers with pure intentions Uh, the gospel of mark really brings home this point when mark adds in his account of the turning of the tables in the temple that jesus specifically turned the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves the reason doves bring to life this concept of abusing religious power for their own financial gain is due to the fact that the old testament law attempts to be as equitable as possible when it comes to the worship of God. God didn't want to prevent anyone from worshiping him, no matter what their financial status was. If you had the resources to give God a bull, then give him your best, most expensive bull. But if you didn't have any money and could only bring a dove, then God would receive that dove for worship the same way he would receive the bull. It didn't matter what you brought to God. What mattered the most was your heart and the fact that God accepted that bull the same way he would accept the dove. He wanted everybody to come to him with a heart of worship. And yet the temple had become a place of money-making on the backs of those who can't afford even a dove, and Jesus wasn't going to have any of that in his father's house. The temple is not a place of commercial gain. It's where all people can come and worship God, no matter what your ethnicity is, no matter what your culture, no matter what culture you come from, no matter how much money you have in the bank. If you're there to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then nothing should stand in your way especially corrupt ruling elite who are only thinking of themselves. And that's why Jesus quotes from Isaiah 56, verse 7, when he said, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. The issue was not only turning the temple into a place of commerce. Remember, I said that the sale of animals for sacrifice and money changers were set up in the court of the Gentiles, the place where non-Jews went to worship God. And, And when they went to worship, what they saw and heard was loud business taking place, like walking through a crowded flea market. And you know, there's a reason Jesus highlights Isaiah chapter 56, because Isaiah chapter 56 is all about the nation of Israel accepting Gentiles who worship the Lord and not turning them away. Listen to Isaiah chapter 56, verses 6 and 7. It says this, as for foreigners who become followers of the Lord and serve him, who love the name of the Lord and want to be his servants... All who observe the Sabbath and do not defile it and who are faithful to my covenant, I will bring them to my holy mountain. God is saying to Isaiah, look, whatever person, Gentile, foreigner, whoever loves me, wants to serve me, wants to embrace me, trusts in me, I'm going to welcome them to the temple, the holy mountain. I will make them happy in the temple where people pray to me. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house, for my temple will be known as a temple where all nations may pray. Jesus is quoting the verse on purpose. He's communicating the idea that it's not only wrong to embed commerce into worship, but where they are doing business is a sin too. They're, they are interrupting and preventing Gentiles from worshiping God. They're treating Gentiles as second-class citizens, and it's wrong. And when Jesus flips those tables, he was sending a bold message. He was letting Jerusalem know the Messiah is in the temple. And he was broadcasting a message found in Zechariah chapter 14, verse 21, which says this. Listen, it's amazing. It encapsulates, it encapsulates everything Jesus is saying. It says this and every pot in jerusalem and judah shall be holy to the lord of hosts so that all who sacrifice may come and take of them and boil the meat of the sacrifice in them now listen here it is and there shall no longer be a traitor in the house of the lord of hosts on that day now when we return i want to share with you some principles from these passages We can apply to our lives today as believers in Jesus.
1: In his classic book, Sketches of Jewish Social Life, Dr. Alfred Edersheim takes the works of Jewish historians Philo and Josephus, as well as other rabbinic sources, to help the days of Jesus come alive. Chris, how have the works of Edersheim influenced you as you study the Old Testament?
0: Yeah, I use Edersheim a lot, actually. Uh, recently, we did our Christmas series and we looked specifically at how the the birthplace of Jesus in Bethlehem was an area where Passover lambs were were kept, that they were destined for slaughter. Well, I, I didn't come up with that on my own. I actually got that information from the deep study of Dr. Edersheim. So I am in debt
1: to the work of, of Edersheim and his attention to detail. You can purchase your copy of Sketches of Jewish Social Life. Go to foiradio.org or call our listener line at 888-343-6940. 888-343-6940. Again, our website is foiradio.org.
0: We've been studying Matthew chapter 21. Uh, It's the story of Jesus flipping the tables in the temple, literally, and what we've seen is that Jesus is frustrated with the abuse of power coming from the religious leadership of Israel and how they not only take advantage of their own people by making a profit off of their worship of God, but how they also take advantage of the Gentiles who worship God by setting up shop in the court of the Gentiles, interrupting their ability and their opportunity to worship God. So one of the first things that comes to mind is the abuse of power that we can find right in our very churches. And you know, James in the New Testament speaks right to this issue when he says in the beginning of James chapter two, my brothers and sisters do not show prejudice if you possess faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. For if someone comes into your assembly wearing a gold ring and fine clothing and a poor person enters in filthy clothes, do you pay attention to the one who is finely dressed and say, oh, you sit over here in a good place, and to the poor person, oh, you stand over there or sit on the floor? The gospel of Jesus Christ makes a level playing field for everyone no one person or group of people should overshadow or interrupt or buy their position for worshiping God. That wasn't the way God wanted it in the Old Testament law. And as James is showing, that's not the way he wants it now. The only person with status is Jesus Christ. The rest of us, no matter what our socioeconomic status is or our ethnicity or race or color or even level of education, the rest of us are all saved by the same blood that Jesus shed for us. So everyone, everybody deserves a seat at the table. And by everyone, I mean everyone. The Gentile community who loved God were abused when their area of the temple was crowded out by commerce. It's the reason Jesus quoted Isaiah 56, verse seven. The temple was a place where all nations can pray. And it's not just important to make sure everyone has a place at the table, it's important to make sure even those who are different than you feel welcome in the doors of your church. Imagine how the Gentile community felt the Gentile community who loved God when their area of worship was used for money changing. They, they probably felt unwanted. They probably felt uncared for, undesired. You know, we should strive to welcome all people. You know, Israel's purpose from the very beginning was to be a nation that would introduce the world to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And now as we wait for the Lord's coming, we the church have been called to do the same i want to close with this jesus's turning of the tables in jerusalem was a sign that the messiah was here to clean up the corruption in jerusalem and he left an example for us as to how we should invite all people to encounter him he ministered to jewish people jesus ministered to the samaritans he ministered to the gentiles He invited all of them into the grace he provides through faith in him, and we should do the same. Power in the hands of man can quickly devolve into corruption. Let's strive to give Christ the authority, to give Christ the power, to give Christ the glory. He's the only one who has the ability to use this power and authority for God's ultimate good.
1: Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life and ministry of Holocaust survivor Svi Kalisher.
2: The situation in Israel is very tense. There is no peace. Most of the time I am on duty and must patrol the dark streets of Jerusalem on the Arab side. My task is to look for mines and booby traps. Our neighboring Arab countries continually threaten to destroy us, but we are not afraid and trust in the Lord. We must hold on to this land, otherwise they shall drive us into the sea. The Lord has promised the land to our people, and there is no power on earth that can gainsay the Lord's will. In the meantime, I give my testimony concerning our Messiah and Savior to as many people as possible. I have visited many friends witnessing to them because we do not know what the next day will bring. Last Thursday, I was on patrol in the main street of former Arab Jerusalem. Around three o'clock in the morning, I noticed a group of people coming my way. They were fully dressed in black robes. I thought they were priests, but when they came close, I realized they were students at an Orthodox Jewish school. Because it was my duty to do so, I stopped them and asked what they were doing out so early in the morning. They answered in unison, We are going to the West Wall to recite Shisho, penitential prayers usually recited before New Year and the Day of Atonement. At first they were frightened, but when they saw that I was an Israeli soldier, they took courage. I asked, When do you think the temple will be rebuilt? One of them said, Only when the Messiah comes will the temple be rebuilt. And where is the Messiah, I asked. He answered, He is already here, but he is waiting to make himself manifest. He will build the temple, and all the dead shall rise from the graves. The leader who was a rabbi asked, What do you think of the Messiah, the Son of David, soldier? I answered, The Messiah, the Son of David, has come and is coming again. I know him, and many other people know him and have received him as their Messiah and Savior. He laid down his life for our sins and made full atonement for us, according to Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22. They stood there amazed hearing things that apparently they did not know. The Lord himself put the words into my mouth. Whatever the question, I gave them a scriptural answer. Usually Orthodox Jews do not talk to anyone who confesses Jesus as Messiah, but they were most thrilled and impressed by the fact that I was a soldier guarding their safety while they were asleep or when they go to the wailing wall to pray. After I gave them my testimony, I asked, Do you think I should have the same rights as any other Jewish person here in Israel? Or don't I deserve such rights? The rabbi said, You have asked a hard question. If all the Jewish Christians were like you, we would have no difficulty at all. Instead of going on to the Wailing Wall... They lingered around me and discussed the Messiah and Messianic prophecies until nearly six o'clock in the morning. We hardly realized that the night had passed and the morning had arrived.
0: The impact of Zvi's life and ministry in Israel continues to inspire. Zvi's ministry in Israel lives on through his family today and has encouraged many of our Friends of Israel workers around the world to continue ministering to the Jewish community. When you give to the Friends of Israel, your donation allows us to advance the gospel of our Messiah Jesus. You can give online by visiting foiradio.org and clicking on our donate link. Again, that's foiradio.org.
1: Chris, as I reflect back on your teaching today, how do I prevent the abuse of power in my own life?
0: Yeah, you know, I'm a husband, I'm a father, and uh, I have some leadership roles here at the Friends of Israel, and I have to constantly remind myself to keep power in check. And and for me, I think the greatest biblical truth that we can grab from when when we think about power is, is humility and understanding that Christ receives all the glory. Christ is our authority. Christ is, is the power in our lives. And when we put ourselves under his submission and we humbly come to him, I believe that's when power can be checked in a Christian's life.
1: Thank you, Chris. A reminder, if you have not yet subscribed to Israel, My Glory, you can get a full year at no cost. Visit foiradio.org. There you can also find the book we mentioned, Sketches of Jewish Social Life. Again, visit foiradio.org. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Today's program was produced by Tom Galeone, co-written by Sarah Fern, Mike Kellogg, Red Apples of Gold. Our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. Once again, I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people.